A small correction to this week's broadcast. I mistakenly stated that the date was the 6th of Tevet, 5784. It is, in fact, the 6th of Shavat, uh, 5784. Uh, my apologies for the calendric error. Hello and good evening. Welcome to another episode of Between the Presets, a podcast by me, Rudy Stetner, that comes out every Monday evening. Here is the place where anything that can be said in polite company is fair game for discussion, even if it occasionally offends. Let's roll. Hello. It is Monday evening, the 6th of Tevet. 5784, uh, that being the 15th of January, 2024. It is Martin Luther King Day, honoring the life of a man who was instrumental in bringing about statutory legal equality for all of America's uh, citizens of whatever race. One of the things I learned early on in life is that when you read something in a history book, if it's at all possible to speak with someone who was there and get their perspective, it rounds things out wonderfully. Back in Boston, I spoke with somebody who lived during the Russian Revolution who had seen Leon Trotsky this guy was an old man when I knew him, but he was a little boy who actually saw the general of the Red Army. For a look at American efforts at desegregation, I had a couple of interesting conversations with my parents, who at the time in 1948 were living in Pittsburgh but they decided to go to um, go on a vacation through the American South. They drove through, I guess, North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, Florida, all the way to Miami, and eventually on a lark, uh, took a $10 flight to Cuba which at that time was um, a friendly country, friendly to the United States. Some would argue that it was kind of like a puppet and a playground of the United States. But what most shocked my father in particular as they were driving through the South was going to restaurants that said whites only, uh, using bathrooms that said whites only and seeing other, I guess, inferior facilities that said coloreds only. And it really, really creeped my father out, especially because only 12 years 
prior in 1936, he had left uh, Nazi Germany. And this was in the earlier stages of anti-Jewish legislation, and he saw signs saying, uh, uh, entry forbidden for Jews, Jews forbidden nor only for Aryans, etc. And his reaction to this was to want to get out of these segregated states as quickly as possible. Anything that reminded him of being the target of segregation and isolation, he didn't want to see anybody else uh, suffer that as well. At the same time as um, um, segregation was um, being tossed on the dustbin of history in the United States, there came up the idea of affirmative action. Because, of course, when one has a system of discrimination in place, there's a matter of... uh, bringing the group that is discriminated up to a place of equal opportunity to the um, group that was on top, so to speak, socially. My father was in favor of programs to help economically disadvantaged people, giving them education and access to entry-level positions with supplemental training, etc. But he was against specifically racial quotas. Considering it simply to be a new form of segregation and uh, a form of help that uh, ultimately perpetuated its own new forms of injustice. It's interesting You know, my looking at where my parents went for their belated honeymoon, they went to Cuba. Cuba did not free its uh, slaves until the 1880s, about 20 years after uh, slaves were freed in the United States of America. Cuba had uh, people who were... uh, completely European in ancestry, I guess mostly Spanish, a middle racial range where they were, you know, visibly had, you know, African ancestry, but were also a mixture of white, and people who were, uh, you know, either very high percentages of African ancestry or uh, complete African ancestry. The President of Cuba, who was overthrown by Fidel Castro in 1959, was a gentleman uh, named Fulgencio Batista. And there were segregated clubs in Havana uh, that were close to the president of Cuba, Fulgencio Batista, because he was known to have... uh, non-white ancestry. And although the Cuban Communist Party um, touted itself as a champion of racial, racial equality in Cuba, 
If you look at the leadership of the Cuban Communist Party, it is uh, predominantly white, white European, and it could be argued that uh, uh, Cuba under the communists simply perpetuated racial segregation and inequality under a different nomenclature. One of the things that happened to the linguistic demographics of Cuba, by the way, was that at the time of the revolution there, the Cuban revolution in 59, 1959, there were still speakers of Yoruba in Cuba. Yoruba is a uh, religion that has its origins in Nigeria. I mean, it, I mean, Santeria, excuse me, Santeria is a religion that correspondingly comes from Nigeria. Some of its rituals are conducted in uh, the Yoruba language. Although the Yoruba language, the Yoruba language is largely extinct in Cuba. It's a best and severely endangered, but the Santeria religion lives on. Now, Santeria is a syncretist form of uh, religion in which African deities are worshipped, but they are covered with the veneer of uh, Catholic saints, each one corresponding to a different African deity. But the reason for the Yoruba language dying out or sinking into severely endangered status in Cuba is because one of the things the Cuban communists did was to institute boarding schools. Uh, with a boarding school, it's possible to weaken family ties, weaken the transmission of uh, cultural traditions. And a lot of families in which Yorba was still spoken, uh, the children were sent to boarding schools uh, mixed with uh, Spanish speakers and people who did not uh, speak the Yorba language. Yorba is, however, spoken in Brazil. It is of scholarly interest to Nigerians who see in the Brazilian form of the language an earlier stage of the development of, of the Yoruba language. It's interesting to note that uh, on a, um, although for decades um, the United States and Cuba have been ideological adversaries, with Cuba for a long time being a client state of the former Soviet Union. But the one thing that unites the two countries is baseball. Cuba remains uh, today a fanatic devotee of that sport. I would imagine that uh, baseball served as a means of cultural delineation between Cuba, which liked the sport, and Spain, which had, to this day, has little, if anything, to do with it. It is as good a time as any to reflect on Martin Luther King's birthday today. 
how how is the United States doing as far as its uh, forging of a common identity, a sense of belonging to the nation that uh, transcends our own individual backgrounds? As far as creating statutory legal equality, uh, America has done remarkably well. There are two other areas that um, take more time. It's very easy to change a law. It's a longer project to more difficult one to change a society. The first area is education, making sure that uh, everyone has access to a good education, that they uh, leave elementary school well-grounded in basic skills and uh, have access as needed to uh, secondary and higher education. The other area is economic opportunity. Um, the uh, making sure that the different uh, sub-communities uh, making up the United States of America have private businesses that uh, sustain the members of the community and also that provide a tax base for the communities, communities as well. What's most troubling on the 95th anniversary of Martin Luther King's birthday is the creation of a modern leftist segregationist ideology. A secular version of original sin where if one is born white in this country that one shares a part of uh, a sort of collective guilt and that one is racist by birth rather than by persuasion. Of course, the best way to rule in a demagogic fashion is to divide society against itself, have people in constant distrust of each other, and presenting themselves as for the government or political faction to present themselves as the protector of the different groups. It's a cheap political fix to rail against landlords, to rail against rich business owners, while at the same time uh, calling upon them to subsidize one's uh, political hegemony. If one can design a program for, say, government-subsidized food, government-subsidized rent, then one has to vote one's benefactors into power in order to continue to sustain oneself. If, on the other hand, it is... Uh, a vibrant economy rather than government fiat that uh, produces a housing market that is affordable, 
then very little is owed to the government. It is just a facilitator uh, rather than a, prov a provider. This applies not only to housing, it applies to health care, it applies to food. The more government regulation you have and the more interference you have, the greater the disruption of services and the greater the disruption of the supply chain. As our government fights global warming, uh, manifested in the form of evil humans exhaling carbon dioxide, the audacity of us, and of course flatulent cows, we can't forget that, Iceland, with its uh, many volcanic volcanoes and um, other turbulent ge ge geographical features, has been experiencing a quite a few volcanic eruptions of late. I don't think any sanctions are going to be placed on Iceland um, anytime soon for its uh, egregious geothermal flatulence. I think we can be pretty certain that the harder our governments work to uh, solve global warming, pollution, all the other things, that the more entrenched we will be in the unforeseen consequences of their um, meddlesome legislation. We've come a long way in this country, we don't give ourselves credit for our efforts to clean up the environment. I remember the Charles River when I was a kid was filthy. It was full of carp, eels, something called sunfish. I don't know what the actual term for that is. But these were all basically garbage fish. and They were the last fish to die in a river that had become a waste receptacle for uh, industry in the greater Boston area. Last I heard, some of the more, um, um, how would I say it, clean water species like trout and bass and whatnot have returned to the, uh, returned to the river, the Charles River. So, uh, we have made a lot more progress than we give ourselves credit for. As far as race relations or labor relations or whatever, it seems that passing laws which create a, an equal playing field for all participants, all citizens, is the right thing to do. But any time you establish a government agency or international agency to solve a problem, then you are pretty much assuring that that problem, be it race relations, Middle East peace, uh, affordable housing, that those problems will never be solved. Because if the government sets out to solve a problem, if they succeed, they've worked their way out of a job. But if they perpetuate the problem then they will have job security. So I wish all of you, my dear listeners, a blessed week moving forward.
And I hope that as we celebrate the legacy of Martin Luther King and the movement in which he was so instrumental, that we build upon the progress that he facilitated rather than undoing his life's work. I thank you all again for listening and uh, uh, hope, to, hope to see you next or speak with you next week. Thank you. This wraps up another weekly episode of Between the Presets. I thank you all for the pleasure of sharing with me my weekly muse. Whatever platform you access, hitting like, subscribe, or leaving a comment is much appreciated. My email address is thewinterriders at gmail.com. Thewinterriders at gmail.com. Until next week, adio, which in some African languages means born on Monday or be righteous and closely resembles adios in Spanish.